Welcome to the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. It's a pleasure to be with you once again, wherever you are and wherever you may be listening. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. It is a Thursday evening edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Been a crazy week on my end as far as the day job goes, but excited to be with you here once again. In today's episode, we're going to talk about all the news that came from yesterday as far as the Rising Stars um, game goes. Now, it's not a game that's going to be played, but it is a game where the rosters were announced last year. Both uh, Ja, uh, Ja Morant, obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Brandon Clark, all three made it. This year, obviously, Jaron's in his third year. It was both Ja and Brandon Clark making it for the Grizzlies. And what we're going to do is we're going to see how much exactly each of their stars is rising this season. In the first segment, looking at Ja Morant, he's had some struggles, but there are indications that he certainly is progressing as a professional. And then with Brandon Clark, yes, he started off the year slow, but there's also indications he is getting back to what he was last season, as well as the fact that he is making a difference against better talent so far this season. In the third segment, we will discuss... Some similarities, some connections between Taylor Jenkins and Mike Budenholzer as they face off tonight in the FedEx Forum. You know, looking through Taylor Jenkins, you know, now being more than 100 games into his career, just how much he's mimicking, but also just how much encouragement comes from the success that he's having compared to where he came from with his mentor, Mike Budenholzer, in town. Find the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at Stats SEC. You can find the podcast wherever podcasts are available, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you may choose to find podcasts, that's where we are. So, obviously, last year, you know, during the Rising Stars game, it was a great opportunity for Grizzlies fans. It was a, it was probably, in, in probably more than five years, one of the more exciting All-Star games that Grizzlies fans had been able to experience in the wild. Now, it's not because we had any All-Stars, but it was because of the fact that we had three of our young, uh, each member basically of the, the common trio that's looked upon to lead us for our future, Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, and John Morant. All three of them were in the Rising Stars Challenge. Well, this year, John Morant and... Brandon Clark are in there again as sophomores with John Moran on the world team and Brandon Clark on, or excuse me, on the U.S. team. Brandon Clark on the world team. Now, obviously, they're not going to be playing the game. And there was the hope that Desmond Bain may have made the team as well. However, um, it looks as if, you know, that that just wasn't to be um, this year. But it is nice to see, you know, once again, John Moran and Brandon Clark getting the recognition that they deserve as being one of the best rookie duos, in my opinion, in recent NBA history for a single franchise. But the thing about it is this, is that obviously, you know, you've heard me talk about it on this show plenty of times. You've heard it from different areas of uh, of grisdom, as I like to call it. You've heard it plenty of places that, you know, in all honesty, last year, the two best rookies in the NBA were John Morant and Brandon Clark. They clearly exceeded their own expectations, which helped the Grizzlies exceed their overall expectations as a team last year. This year, though, there has been, you know, now that the, the book on each player is bigger and his teams have adjusted, there is a clear indication that, you know, they have ran into a bit of struggles at times. The league has adjusted to them. A few of the things for Brandon Clark was that he got off to a slow start to the season, though some injuries certainly had an impact on that, and as well as, you know, he was reforming his shot. So a thing, some things, you know, stepped in the way of him having an effective start to the season. For John Morant, Yes, he has struggled with injuries, and yes, there's been interruptions into the season. His shooting from distance has regressed a bit, and also his defense um, is still a work in progress. However, despite those standing out as negatives, I think one of the reasons why those stand out is because we now 
come to expect a certain level of production from both Brandon Clark and John Morant. However, though those are expected now, there are clear indications that they have improved from last year. Starting with John Morant, for instance, you know, last year averaged 17 points a game, um, you know, as well as, um, you know, 7.3 assists. Um, you know, he also averaged, you know, 0.9 steals. Well, this year, John Moran is actually, ever ninth, actually averaging 19.1 assists per game. 7.8 assists, one steal. He also is shooting better from the free throw line. His field goal percentage is a bit down, though that is because of the fact that he is shooting more threes but making less of them. But as we know, that shot is something that's going to come with time. It's going to make its impact in time. But the big thing is, is that John Morant, yes, he is averaging more shot attempts per game, but his scoring rates as he's taken on more of a scoring role are actually staying the same. They're actually similar to where they were last year, but the big indication to where John Morant is making a difference is that as he's taken on more of a load in terms of, you know, how much the offense is relying on him, he actually is showing better efficiency through doing that. By the example that I mean by that is, is that on a per 36-minute basis this year compared to last year, John Morant is averaging 22.7 points per 36 minutes, 20.7 points last year. Last year, though, he also averaged 3.8 turnovers. This year, only 3.3 turnovers. A big, big thing for John is that last year his usage rate was at 25.9%, and with his usage rate at 25.9%, his turnover percentage was at 17%. Well, this year, the usage rate has gone up nearly 3%. It's at 28.7%, but the turnover rate has gone down to 13.7%. You typically see a strong correlation between turnovers going up with a higher usage rate. That's just because ball that's just because the basketball is in the hand of this certain player more often. But the fact that Jaws assist rate is going up with his usage rate, but his turnover rate is going down, that means his assist to turnover ratio is actually going up. That's a very good sign for such a young player, known for his playmaking, and a big reason why when he's on the court, this Grizzlies team is continuing to develop both individually with how shot with how you know a lot of the supporting cast for the Grizzlies have them improved their shot from distance but also in just keeping the offense consistent with the fact that he's scoring more but also turning over the ball less while still producing assists at nearly the same rate. So with John Morant, yes, he's had his struggles this year. Yes, he has his, a few weaknesses in his game that he's got to work on. But as I mentioned you know, throughout his career, is that the thing that sets John apart is not only the fact that he has the ability to take over game at at games at times that he wants to with his scoring, but it's also the fact that he really impacts others and elevates the game of others by creating opportunities for them to score through feeding off his own ability, mainly getting into the lane and passing out. So that really is an encouraging sign. So even though John Moran has a few areas where he struggled shooting the ball on home defense, he actually is, as, as of recently, been much more productive offensively and consistently productive, and that's allowed for the Grizzlies' offense to improve. Again, as I mentioned on Twitter, John Moran was only four players in the month of February who played at least 13 games that averaged 17 points per game, 7.5 or more assists per game, one steal, and less than three turnovers. That means the other four, three players that did that with him were Nikola Jokic, Chris Paul, and Jimmy Butler.
Those are guys that are all-star level players who also have been in MVP discussions before. You want to talk about guys who not only are handling their load offensively to contribute to team wins, but also are elevating the offense for their teammates while also taking care of the basketball. That's the exact type of profile we want Morant to feel. And then when he ever finds his shot, that type of profile with the reliable shot from distance, that equals an annual all-star candidate every single year. But it's not just John Moran, it's also Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark this year, you know, got off to a very slow start. And his numbers so far have fallen off just slightly. Coming up, I'm going to discuss Brandon Clark a bit more in detail and why he's showing signs of getting back to the player that he certainly once was. But I can tell you this, when it comes to being the player that you once were and being a player that the Grizzlies need, it's time to announce our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Our previous winners have been Kyle Anderson, and they've and it's been John Morant. Well, this week, though, John Morant has certainly played better, and Brandon Clark has certainly ba- played better as well. This Player of the Week is Justice Winslow, and it's no, it's no surprise as to why. It's simply not only the fact that he has returned to action, but just in general that he has easily made a big impact on the game instantly, both offensively and defensively. But that's not the main thing. It's the joy that him being back on the court creates for both him and his teammates. Because after 409 days of not playing basketball, yet the energy, effort, the commitment that he made to this team here, in a less coming from a less than ideal situation in Miami, it's really allowed for this team to bring him in and make him a part of the core and the culture. And that's brought everybody happiness. It's a big reason why he's played so well so quickly is the connection that he has because the happiness that's created for him being a part of this group and for these guys finally being able to play together. And that makes everything on the court an enjoyment. These guys are really enjoying playing together. And as I showed with Brandon, as I said with Kyle Anderson, I think the development of Kyle Anderson this year as well as um, um, Justice Winslow are two really big keys as to why this Grizzlies team, why it really shows this Grizzlies team plays to win because they're happy instead of being happy because they win. And that's the question that you got to ask yourself. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? For the Grizzlies, I think they're one of the best examples in the league that they win because they ha- they're happy. They play better individually because they're playing together as a team. And if you're a fan of this team and you enjoy watching them, I can tell you a way that you can feel joy, happiness, enjoyment. It can add to your ability to be a fan if you're enjoying a Grizzlies game with a nice glass of Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. I can certainly tell you if you're watching a Grizzlies game and enjoying a Michelob Ultra, you'll enjoy every minute of it. 2.6 carbs and only 95 calories. Don't forget that joy creates success. And enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And Justice Winslow can be one of the better examples in recent NBA history that can tell you you have to enjoy how you're going to get to your destination to really be able to fully enjoy once you arrive. Again, Michelob Ultra, only 2.6 carb and 95 calories. Get you a Michelob Ultra today and enjoy the Grizzlies as they end the first half of their 2020-2021 season. Another thing I can tell you as well is that if you like enjoying Michelob Ultra during your Grizzlies games, then you may also enjoy putting a little bit of money 
money on them, putting a little bit of wager on the Grizzlies or whatever sport it may be, whether it's hockey, baseball, um, the NCAA. You know, football is in the rearview mirror, but so many different sources of fun are out there if you're a sports fan. And if part of your sports fandom is enjoying betting on the games, well, I've got one place that has you covered, and that's Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline today. You can go to head to the website or use, your, or use the mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus by using the promo code LOCKEDON at BetOnline. BetOnline.ag. Coming up on tomorrow's episode, we'll obviously review the Bucks game tonight, a big game for the Grizzlies. We'll hint on that a little bit in the third segment of this show. We'll also discuss DeAnthony Melton. Hopefully he'll be in. I think that he's going to be a, a needed contributor tonight, but we'll really discuss how, you know, coming back from his absence a few weeks ago, how he really has emerged. And when this Grizzlies team is playing well, a big reason why is because of DeAnthony Melton. We'll have that and much more on tomorrow's episode of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. But getting back to the rising stars, so in the first segment, we talked about how John Morant, yes, has had a few areas of struggle this year, but how his star has continued to rise due to the fact that he's becoming a more consistent producer both as a scorer and as a playmaker for his team. Well, another guy that really has stepped up is Brandon Clark. Now, you wouldn't know it from the numbers. I, I will go ahead and tell you that last year, um, Brandon Clark, it was going to be hard for Clark to really get um, you know, to really continue the, the 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 threshold that he had set, you know, setting rookie records for efficiency, true shooting percentage, effective field goal percentage, it was going to be hard to see him being able to do that again. One of the big reasons why was because last year, probably over 95% of that production was with him going against team second units. He was a monster off the bench. Well, when he got into the starting lineup, though it was a very small sample size, he did struggle a bit. Well, the thing is, is that it took a bit of time this year for Brandon Clark to be able to get back going. He's dealt with a few calf injuries this year, lower body injuries at the very least, but he also has seen his role change this year as well. So far, he's played 20 games this season. He has actually started 16 of those games, while only four of those have come off the bench. So the reason why that's important is because last year he played in 58 games, only started four of them. This year, he's played in, excuse me, 26 games so far, and he started 16 of them. So he's been back and forth as far as his roles go. Now, the great thing about it is, though, is that while he did struggle, Brandon Clark actually is starting to, re to, to get back to his form that we were so accustomed to seeing and was such an advantage for this Grizzlies team last year. In the month of February, Brandon Clark actually switched back and forth out of the lineup. He played 11 games. We were 6-5 and five in those games. But Brandon Clark in the month of February, he averaged 11.3 points per game. He made 4.5 field goals on 7.6 assists, shooting nearly 58%. So last year, he made nearly 62% of his shots. In the month of February, he made 58% of his shots. So he's getting back to scoring at the rates that we were accustomed to last season. But a couple of other develop, uh, really good developments is that in this time frame, he's, try, he, he's made, I believe he is 7 for 13, excuse me, 5 for 14, in the month of February on his three-point shot, he shot 38.5% from three 
in the month of February, and he also made 84% of his free throws. Earlier this year, there was a bit of a, a, a bit of a struggle in making his free throws, and last year, you know, he shot 75% from the free throw line, but this year he really struggled starting out. But in the month of February, 84% from the free throw line, and he also is coming off a game in which he had his best rebound output of his career. We've also seen indications clearly of his game expanding. Defensively, he's really helped out as far as um, you know his ability to defend both. You know his defensive versatility. We've lately, over the past few games with Justice Winslow back, we saw his ability to be at the rim and deter shots as a small ball five. We've also seen his combinations with Jonas Valanciunas and Xavier Tillman, him extending out to the perimeter and guarding you know smaller players. For instance, in the third game of the season when he played you know against um, Karis Levert, he made a big stop late in the game. He's several times this year, he's made stops on smaller players that you normally would not expect to see from a big of Brandon Clark's side. And the big area that we've really been able to see, you know, some growth from Clark is that he has shown that he can be, you know, he can add value against better talents. This year, um, in the 16 games that he started versus the 10 that he has not, uh, Brandon Clark, um, his true shooting percentage is actually at 56.6% as a starter, only 54.7% um, as a reserve. He actually is shooting much better from the free throw line as a starter versus as a reserve. And overall, the offensive rating is at a 117 with him as a starter versus a 113 with him as a reserve. And his defense also, he's contributed to a good defense as well. Over 29 minutes of play. He's averaging nearly 14 points per game, six rebounds a game, and one assist per game. So really when it comes to Clark making a difference, really being that shining example of a player that can add a lot of value, he really has emerged. And especially when he's played 30 minutes or more so far this year, Brandon Clark is at a plus-minus of 10.5, and he has an offensive rating of 123. So when Brandon Clark is on the floor more, he actually is contributing more and is a more productive player. So I'm not saying that he should automatically, you know, be the starting five next to Jaron going forward. Jonas has that locked down. But there is plenty of indications that Brandon Clark is number one getting back to what he was last year with how well he shot the ball in February. He's showing areas of improvement by improving on his free throw percentage as well as his defensive versatility. And also he is figuring out how to find ways to add value against better talent with the overall improvement he has shown in the starting lineup. So just some, there are some steps forward. It may not be what we had hoped. It may not be when it comes to Clark, you know, the overall indication that he clearly is going to be a difference-making front court mate that we all hope he eventually will be with Jaron. That'll be found out hopefully in the second half when Jaron comes back. But it certainly is nice to see not only him figuring out how to be productive, in a expanded role against better competition, but also seeing his ability both on defense and offense for him to add more, you know, ways to be able to contribute on a consistent basis. But if this development is surprising you, it should not at all considering who Clark and John's coach is and where he came from. And of course, that is Taylor Jenkins. Coming up in the third segment, I'm going to talk a bit more about Jenkins. Obviously, a lot of success, a lot of fun watching Jenkins play his game. It's really, really a mirror image of his mentor, Mike Budenholzer, as they face off tonight in the FedEx Forum use the word development in terms of the Grizzlies or the basketball court, you know, that certainly is, you know, typically a positive thing. But one thing I can tell you that's not fun when it comes to a development with your car 
is if it's had to stand the weather that we've seen here in the Memphis area, and I'm sure for many of us, you know, across the entire U.S., and that, of course, is any repairs that may have to be done. Seen a couple of my cars through the all due to all the you know crazy weather we've had here in the Memphis area as of recently. But if you're someone who needs car repairs, I have a great place for you to go, and that is RockAuto.com. RockAuto.com is a great place because within a few clicks of the button, you're going to have what you need, and it's likely you're going to find it because of the parts that you because of the make and model. They're like no matter the make and model, they're likely going to have what you need, and regardless of the part, it should be in stock. And the thing I'll also tell you is this: is that no matter if you're someone that needs others to do your repairs, you do your own repairs, you do repairs to others, whatever your car knowledge is, it's a great resource because it's very, very economically feasible. This is a family business that's been in business for over 20 years. They know car repairs typically fall to budget, so they try to make the costs as friendly as possible. If you visit rockauto.com, let it know that the Locked On Podcast Network sent you. Again, rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts that you will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Locked On NBA podcast. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. And I can tell you this. These guys know what they're talking about. We've recently been introduced to these hosts uh, through our Locked On Podcast NBA family. Great guys. I've uh, come to know a few of them and talking with them about certain draft prospects for the Grizzlies. They know their stuff. We look forward to having them on some future episodes as we get closer to the drafts. So really fun development seeing all of these great guys You know who have built themselves up you know, through Twitter and do, through doing great work, all four credentialed. I would highly suggest checking out their stuff. It certainly will be worth it if you're someone that wants to know a lot about the 2021 NBA draft prospects. But one thing that we have become more knowledgeable on, and that is Taylor Jenkins. Uh, Taylor Jenkins now, um, I believe that this will be his 105th game of his uh, coaching career tonight. And uh, over the past few weeks, he's coached his 100th game for the Grizzlies. He's earned his 50th win. I'm pretty sure he's earned that 50th win faster than a lot of people have expected. But the thing about it is this, is that he's doing it in a way that is not necessarily unexpected, but it's his own way of doing things. And, you know, I've wrote about, you know, on a few occasions, how we can really learn about the preferences that Taylor Jenkins has based off who, he, what tree he came from, and that's under Mike Budenholzer. Now that I know, I know Mike Budenholzer has struggled this year, I can say, with the, with the Bucks overall. But overall, over the past eight years or so, Mike Budenholzer certainly has had some success. I believe in total he's now made it to the Eastern Conference Finals twice. He's not made it to the, the finals as of yet, but he really has shown on a, in a variety of ways that he can win in different formats. In Atlanta, he was able to sit there and maximize the overall impact of the players that he had up and down the roster to create a, a, a contender that really was it without a star. You know, the Utah Jazz from this year, though they're a bit better because they're a, there's a better quality of talent, a lot of people are comparing them to the 14-15 Hawks. This team that has a lot of depth, defends well, shoots the three well, but there's just not that true just that true superstar type talent, though Utah has a couple of guys who are closer to that spectrum than the Hawks. But the idea is, is that he's shown the ability to, even without true star power, still being able to create a contender because of how well his team played as a unit and how well them playing through that unit made each individual player 
better. But of course, we've also seen Budenholzer, you know, push the limits as a contender with one of the best, you know, young players to ever play the NBA, and that's what he's done for the game in Yantas Antetokounmpo. Now, you know, we've seen Antetokounmpo, he already was, you know, obviously a, a superstar before Budenholzer got there. But Budenholzer has really expanded his game both offensively and defensively, and it's led to Giannis becoming a two-time MVP and Defensive Player of the Year under Budenholzer. Now, I'm not sitting here suggesting that Taylor Jenkins is going to turn John Moran into that type of player. I don't know if John Moran will be that type of player. I do think that he probably has one or two MVP-level seasons in him. But what I will say is that from what we've seen with Budenholzer, there is some encouragement, and we've seen that type of impact that Taylor Jenkins is showing with the Grizzlies. We've seen how he took time. He was patient with his preferences, his preferences to eventually become a team that shot the three much more frequently than Grizzlies teams of the past. However, he did that through first emphasizing the strengths of our roster and molding it into where we now can shoot the three more comfortably and we're shooting it at a better rate over the past month and a half when we've really got our talent back. You know, I wrote a piece over at Grizzly Bear Blues how from the time Taylor Jenkins has been here, the Grizzlies have ranked highly or near the top of the league in points in the paint and in terms of assists. Those were the strengths of this Grizzlies team because of what they added in the summer of 19 and because of what was already here. Taylor Jenkins immediately knew that for a team that was going to be very young and for a team that did not have a lot of strength shooting from distance, he was going to have to create by producing in the paint and then getting very good passers in John Morant, Tyus Jones, and others to pass out for open looks that were created by our production in the paint, the defense collapsing, now we have more high-percentage looks from beyond the arc. And the way that we got those set up was through the passing. So in the additions that he's helped to make, in the development of the players that he has, and in the overall progression of his schemes, Taylor Jenkins, just like his predecessor in, in Budenholzer, has shown the ability to take what he has in Memphis, create a scheme that really helps these individual talents grow, and then from there, it's made the Grizzlies consistently exceed expectations, and it's overall made their offense continue to not only evolve to where it's a deeper offense now, in other words, they have multiple ways they can beat you, but also their productivity is continue, continuing to improve as well. But the other thing is, is that even without his best players, when he was without John Morant, Jonas, and, and, and you know, Jaron and Justice for a good two to three week you know, time frame earlier this year, he once again in a different manner through defense, because that's what really played to the strengths of the players he had available, he still stayed competitive by creating a team that was really good defensively. So that is the big takeaway from Taylor Jenkins and what mimics what he what we see with Budenholzer at time, though it's been a bit of a question with Budenholzer with Giannis, we have seen Budenholzer be able to change his coaching approaches to maximize the talent or, or the type of roster that he had, both the way that he did it in Atlanta and the way that he did it in Milwaukee. Two different ways, but both ways that have worked to an extent. Well, for for um, Jenkins to apply that same type of ability to this Grizzlies team that really has seen different iterations of itself this season based off who all has been available. It's been really encouraging to see. So Taylor Jenkins has his own way of doing things. Taylor Jenkins has his own style of coaching. He's a very low-key, non-dramatic, 
not too high, not too low type of coach. But don't ever question when it comes to Taylor Jenkins, in my opinion, don't ever question that just because he may not show a lot of emotion, don't think that his passion is not locked in. And his attention to detail is how he shows that passion, and that's how he consistently is so prepared to make the needed adjustments in-game, to prepare for opponents, to keep the Grizzlies, you know, to keep the Grizzlies competitive against teams that are better than them, while also typically being able to, you know, pretty much take care of, uh, you know, opponents that are clearly, you know, less than where the Grizzlies are right now. So, yes, there are a lot of similarities. And, you know, Kyle Anderson said it himself this day in the media coverage. There are a lot of similarities, and there's a lot of comparisons between the styles that are ran in Milwaukee and the styles that are ran in Memphis. But basically what Taylor Jenkins has done is taken from what he learned from Mike Budenholzer, molded it to into his own style of play, and also has shown the capability of being able to feature other things or to change what works based off the personnel that he has. And that's certainly not something that we've had the pleasure of seeing in Memphis before, but it should make it even easier for us to cherish having it now. And this that type of trait right there, Regardless of how much of it was learned from Budenholzer, that trait right there is why I think Jenkins is is easily becoming, you know, maybe once the Grizzlies start making the playoffs, I don't think it's going to take long for Jenkins to clearly establish himself as the as probably the most talented coach the Grizzlies have ever had. And I think it's also what's going to make him stay for the long term, not just seeing us through this rebuild, but also once we start getting into the playoffs on a consistent basis, I think Jenkins has the potential in him to eventually lead this team to where they want to go as a championship team. Can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us today. Again, you can follow the show at Locked on Grizz, myself at StatsSEC. Tomorrow, we'll have plenty of coverage talking about the game against the Bucks. We'll also, you know, to discuss, you know, how um, DeAnthony Melton looked this season and wrap up the first half of the season with some thoughts of how we looked in the first half and what can change as we go into the second half. That and much more on tomorrow's edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Until then, have a great day. And for myself, Sean Coleman, hope you have an even better evening watching the Grizzlies. We'll talk to you again here on the Locked on Grizzlies podcast.